Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked on Spartans, a special bonus episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Tuesday, May 14th, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for joining me today. I just had to do it, didn't I? I just had to tempt fate. I just had to tell you guys how, don't worry, I'm switching to three episodes a week, but if you know breaking news happens... We'll jump on it, we'll do special bonus episodes, we'll bring you a, a fourth episode in the week, and we'll go on our merry way, not thinking that a mere few hours after I would publish that episode that John Beeline would uh, accept the head coaching job for the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA, thus leaving a gaping hole in his place uh, at U- the University of Michigan as head basketball coach, uh, dramatically changing the face of this uh, rivalry, what has become Really an excellent rivalry, uh, one that is, you know, especially last season, pushing on the national relevance uh, in terms of, you know, obviously not the history, the decades of uh, buildup, but like Duke Carolina type games where they are massive games, top 10 games, games deciding conferences, games for, you know, conference tournaments, games that are going to have national tournament national title NCAA tournament implications on the one and two seed lines like this rivalry was really developing and now things are going to change Uh, so we're going to talk about that today what we're going to do quick little special episode won't be a full uh, 25 30 minute show it's going to be closer to 15 I'm going to break it uh, into two segments with just a quick little commercial break right there in the middle uh, but it'll just be all talking about you know the the MSU Michigan basketball rivalry. What does Beeline leaving re, uh, what does Beeline leaving mean for MSU? Easy for me to say. And then uh, I've got some numbers and things that I want to run by you guys here. So we'll do that in a second, real quick. Remember to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done that. Subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes to your phone every single day. You can follow me on Twitter at will underscore underscore hunter one l two underscores at on Spartans is the show page, and you can search us out on Facebook, Locked On Spartans, like the page, and that's another way to get the uh, episodes on social media. There. All right, let's talk about John Beeline. All right, so Beeline leaves, uh, you know, the University of Michigan, and uh, just I think the easiest way to start this, I, I wrote a piece for Spartans Wire. Um, you know, uh, you can find my work there. Uh, you know, SpartanWire.usaToday.com. I also tweet out the work uh, that I do there, and at the Spartans Wire on Twitter. Uh, it's part of the USA Today Sports Network. Um, and we just do a ton, a ton of Michigan State stuff, you know, like five or six posts every single day about Michigan State. So if you want to check that out. But I did a piece for them called Tom Izzo first John Beeline, the rivalry by the numbers. And I just want to run through some of these um, just to kind of give us an overview here as we get going and start, you know, talking about this. So 14 and 9 uh, is the final tally in this uh, this rivalry. Izzo 14, Beeline 9. Um, you know, it started with uh, control with Izzo. Kind of really went back and forth when you break it down. Like Michigan State wins four, Michigan wins three, Michigan State wins three, Michigan wins three, Michigan State wins three. Like it really went back and forth. But Izzo got off to the hot start, four and zero against Beeline, and then since 2011, uh, Michigan really started to come on as a program. Beeline was actually nine and seven against Izzo uh, until the three zero sweep this year put Izzo up ten to nine. Since uh, you know, since Michigan really got things going, so really even back and forth you didn't need me to tell you that but you know there have been a ton of huge games in this rivalry a lot of big wins for each side 
Uh, 11 is the total number of ranked versus rank matchups in the Izzo versus Beeline era. And it's crazy. There had only been six ranked versus ranked matchups between Michigan and Michigan State in the entire history of them playing basketball uh, against each other. Six prior to Beeline's arrival and the two teams started playing. They played their first game in 1909. So six since 1909 and then from 2007 to 2019 really a lot of these stacked from like 2012 to the present 11 of such games uh, five of which were top 10 teams uh, top 10 matchups I guess it would be the, the correct way to say that five times in the Izzo versus Beeline rivalry Michigan Michigan State rivalry under those two coaches uh, and three of those were last season alone never before in the history of the rivalry had there been a top 10 matchup between the schools in basketball and there were five two in 2013 and three last season so just like I said, both of these programs really playing a high level of basketball. Uh, 13 players from MSU and U of M drafted since Beeline got to Ann Arbor, and that doesn't include Bryn Forbes, who's made himself a nice little career in the NBA. Uh, you know, a lot of talent moving on to the next level there. Seven combined regular season Big Ten championships between the two programs. Um, you know, and Michigan really didn't even start getting going there at all. Uh, you know, had Beeline stayed for three, four, five more years, you could add a couple of Big Ten titles to that for sure. Uh, outside of Izzo, Beeline and Purdue's Matt Painter are the only coaches in the conference with multiple regular season titles on their resume. Six is the number of Big Ten tournament titles between the two schools since 2012, uh, including all of them since 2016. Michigan State won then. The next two were won by Michigan, and Michigan State won the most recent one. Uh, in total, the two schools won six of the last eight Big Ten tournaments. Uh, and between the two since 2009, six Final Fours, four for Izzo, two for Beeline. Um, you know, two national runner-ups for Michigan. Uh, and the last time Michigan had made the Final Four prior to Beeline that wasn't vacated was 1989. So really uh, things that kind of we knew <laughs> Michigan was really bad uh, for a long time before Beeline got there. But I think it just kind of highlights just how good that program had gotten. They really uh, caught up to Michigan State in a number of ways. Sure, Michigan State and Izzo had just had a longer track record, more uh, conference tournament wins or more um conference championships in the regular season, more tournament titles, more success in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but what Beeline accomplished with Michigan was certainly nothing to shake uh, a stick at. And that sort of all wraps back to this point that, uh, yeah, definitely a good day if you're a Michigan State fan. Um, every Michigan State fan wants to beat Michigan uh, in every single thing they do. Uh, and so, Certainly, you would think, you know, and we'll see what happens. Um, Michigan's going to take some huge hacks. They're going to go after names that they have no right getting uh, and that they, you know, 99.9% .9 won't get, like a Jay Wright out of Villanova, a Billy Donovan from Oklahoma State. Uh, I saw Brad Stevens' name thrown out there, Boston Celtics coach. Things like that, uh, they're going to, yeah, they should at least give those people a call and just sort of see, make them say no type thing. Those guys aren't going to end up at Michigan, but you never know who they end up hiring. Um, they could, you know, Chris Beard type person, Texas Tech head coach, things like that. They could get a really good coach in there. But you would think in the short term, at least, uh, Michigan's going to take a tiny little step back here, depending on who they hire and what direction they kind of take the program in. You know, it's a really healthy basketball program at this point. And so it's sort of, I think it'd be tough to kind of botch it. Although, as we saw with football, you know, Michigan had a really healthy football program doing a lot of winning. They made the wrong hire. Uh, wasn't supported by administration and fans. They made another bad hire after that, uh, and it sort of took them time to get things back on track. So, you know, 
who they hire is going to really depend or really play into this big, but I think uh, in the short term, certainly a step back for Michigan, and that's good for Michigan State uh, because you're competing for some similar recruits. You're competing for conference titles against them. You're competing for tournament titles against them. And so anytime they're weakened or anything like that, uh, that's good for Michigan State. Um, There's been a lot of talk, uh, certain columns and different things are written about this, uh, that, you know, the idea that I guess Michigan State needs Michigan to be good, the idea that they need Michigan to be good or it's better when Michigan is good, um, you know, I think those are sort of two separate issues uh they kind of you know the venn diagram of those two things kind of bleed together a little bit certainly Um, but the idea that michigan state needs michigan to be good to sort of push them to make them better to uh, you know they sort of elevate each other to try to sort of one-upsmanship whatever you want to call it just the idea that you need your rival to be good uh to make you as good as you can be is uh in my opinion Total crap. Um, uh, and uh, the big problem I have is the, the word need. And I'll talk about this more in the second segment, but Michigan State doesn't need Michigan to be good. That's obvious. Michigan was incredibly bad at basketball for a long time. Uh, the late 90s, early 2000s, Michigan State is going to Final Fours, winning a national championship, and Michigan is toiling, toiling along at the basement of the Big Ten. Uh, Michigan State doesn't need Michigan to be good. Alabama doesn't need Auburn to be good in football in order for them to win. Duke doesn't need North Carolina to be good, and North Carolina doesn't need Duke to be good. That's not, you know, how rivalry rivalries work. Ohio State won a national championship, and Brady Hoke was getting fired. <laughs> like, uh, Ohio State was winning the Big Ten, going to Rose Bowls, uh, competing at the very top of college football year in and year out. And Rich Rod is winning three games, five games, seven games. Like, you know, that's that is total crap. That Michigan State would need Michigan, the word need Michigan to be good, uh, in order to bring out the best in them in basketball. It's just empirically untrue. The historical <laughs> results in any sport with any, any rivalry do not. Um, do not add up there. They do not, uh, you know, two plus two is not equaling four in that equation. So that idea uh, is something we can just kind of throw out the window uh, immediately. What I do want to talk about, what I think is the most interesting thing to talk about with this, and it's, you know, again, Michigan State needing Michigan to win is not an interesting debate. It's something that will fire people up and get clicks on your column, I guess. But it's not an interesting debate uh, to me. What I think is more interesting is, uh, is it good for Big Ten basketball? Is it good for the state of the Michigan State-Michigan basketball rivalry when Michigan is better? Uh, is it good for college basketball in general when a, a program like Michigan, a name like Michigan is better? That's something that we kind of hear bandied about a bit, uh, a lot more in football, and you hear it with Michigan in football, but uh, Notre Dame was going through some struggles, Texas, USC, and you get a lot of college football is better when Texas is great. College football is better when USC is great. You know, we'll talk a little bit about that, you know, the idea of Michigan being good and what it contributes to the sport, to the conference, and to the rivalry. Uh, We'll do that after this quick commercial break. You can get Locked on Spartans on the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Spartans. All right, welcome back to segment three, uh, or segment three, segment two. The segment two is kind of like a segment three. It's the last segment of today's Locked on Spartans. Um, 
All right, let's talk about, uh, you know, sort of what I teased there. Uh, And this is something that's a little bit more nuanced, and I think there's multiple interesting ways to look at it, and it's something where uh, if you could, you know, debate with someone, or I don't even want to use the word debate, discuss this with someone, you could get varying opinions uh, that are kind of, instead of black and white, you know, shades of gray, different things like that, you can kind of run the spectrum here on this, and nobody would be wrong sort of thing, so that's what, it kind of makes it interesting. There are multiple angles to this, multiple sides. Um, I don't think you can say that, uh, let's see, you know, the, the rivalry, just the state of the rivalry, rivalry, that's a tough one for me to say, the health of the rivalry is going to take a step back if Michigan, assuming Michigan takes a step back. Again, we'll see who they hire, but let's say Michigan hires someone, it's a solid hire, but not great. Uh, you know, they've got guys leaving for the NBA. I would assume everyone stays in now with the uh, beeline's departure. Uh, you know, Matthews was gone. Poole was gone. Uh, Braz Dikas was maybe considering, you know, going back and forth, but probably gone. I think he's probably a hundred percent gone. And so there's still good players there, uh, but they're certainly not going to have as much talent as they could in losing their coach. You expect Michigan to take a step back next year and, that is overall, it's certainly bad for the conference. Um, you know, that's another team that is uh, a national type team, a contending team that brings uh, prestige to the conference when they're good. It brings respect, helps the numbers. You know, the Big Ten was an absolute gauntlet this year, and that sort of battle testing, I think, helped a lot of Big Ten teams uh, go in the tournament. And it certainly, you know, it helped Michigan State figure things out. They're playing great teams all the time. Uh, Michigan State, I think, their players developed a lot when you're playing, you know, say the the schedule Michigan State had this year versus the schedule Gonzaga had. Uh, I think, you know, the schedule Michigan State had within the conference, you know, that gives guys more opportunities to get better against really good competition in really tough environments. Certainly, Gonzaga players are going to improve too, but I think there's, you know, it's, it's harder. They have to, you know, do more in the, like, there's more of an onus on offseason practice, things like that, because in a game, they're just not being challenged enough. And if you're going to improve in something, you need to be challenged. Uh, and, you know, like Aaron Henry going through ups and downs in the Big Ten season, getting crushed in games, getting totally outplayed by elite basketball players, uh, and then finding ways to work through that, get better, uh, and find success in that is going to make, uh, you know, him a better player down the road. And so anytime the conference is strong, I think it helps the teams within the conference be better teams by the end of the season. Uh, yeah, it's going to, it makes winning the conference harder. Um, but it also makes it when you actually do win the conference, more of, a uh, an accomplishment. Michigan state's big 10 tournament last year or big 10 championship, big 10 regular season, uh, title last year is more of an accomplishment than Gonzaga winning the whack for the 900th year in a row. Right. That just sort of makes sense. So when Michigan is down, that's another program in the Big Ten that sort of takes away some of that. And I don't think Michigan's going to be terrible next year, but they could have been a top 10, top 15 team uh, next year. And I think, you know, just given where they're at right now, before we know who they hire, it's sort of a, it's a tough spot for a program to be in transitioning out of one of their greatest eras, probably their greatest era. It's fair to expect them to take a little bit of a step back. And so that hurts the conference and it hurts, um, you know, just the, the Big Ten uh, as a whole, as for Michigan State, it certainly helps Michigan State directly. I mean, 
you know, Michigan State should have an easier path to a Big Ten regular season. It, it helps Michigan State in terms of results. Uh, it's one less uh, pain in the ass to go through in the regular season and the Big Ten tournament. Um, that's just, you know, we kind of talked about that a little bit. But what interests me uh, as well is, you know, just the state of the rivalry. Is it better to... I don't know, how, how do I want to put this? It's obviously you want to win all your rivalry games, but is it better to have a rival rival that occasionally challenges you? That challenge, not occasionally, that always challenges you, because uh, you know, like really the Ohio State Michigan football rivalry rivalry of recent. I need to stop saying that word. Uh, matchups of recent haven't been you know balanced at all. Uh, Ohio State's been absolutely killing Michigan. Michigan has barely challenged Ohio State outside of a couple of years. And so does that take some of the luster off beating Michigan for Ohio State? Do you sort of start to get complacent with that? Uh, Yeah, kicking the crap out of Michigan uh, for a long time was really, really fun. The the 50-point blowouts, running them out of the gym, those are really fun. But I don't know if any one of those wins were better than uh, the two regular season wins Michigan State had against Michigan last year in terms of just uh, joy, elation, satisfaction. Like, and, and if you want to take the Big Ten tournament win into account as well, definitely throw that in there. Those three wins were three of like the best wins against Michigan in basketball that I can remember. Um, and it's because of the massive stakes attached to those. You know, when you're top 10 uh, teams going in to play each other. Like when you go and beat your rival on the road, top 10 matchup to, you know, get a leg up in what has been an absolutely brutal conference regular season, just a battle to, to the end. Who's going to get there? Who's going to win the conference? Those games were incredible and they were so satisfying. Uh, in the senior night, like, oh my God, you couldn't have written a better script. Winning on senior night against Michigan, top 10 matchup again to secure the Big Ten regular season title in a year that the Big Ten was absolutely outstanding. Like, you don't get those incredible wins against Michigan unless Michigan's really good. And so I'm sort of, yeah, yeah, I'm glad Beeline's gone. Good. Michigan's not going to be as good, but I might end up missing if Michigan really takes a step back. Uh, missing these big time matchups, uh, and maybe it's because we didn't uh, experience the other side of it. You know, the going three and zero in those matchups certainly helps you enjoy them more. And maybe if Michigan State loses on Senior Day uh, and Michigan raises the banner, uh, you know, it's a different thing. You're like, get Beeline out of here right now. And you know, the the two other top ten matchups between these two. T- these two teams were six years ago, five, six years ago. And so uh, maybe we're sort of forgetting how much it hurt when Trey Burke swiped the ball from Keith Appling in that sort of game, things like that. Um, But there's just, it's a little bit less important. Uh, Not that playing against Michigan, beating Michigan's ever unimportant, but the stakes aren't as high. The games aren't as big uh, unless both teams are really at the top of their game. And that's what uh, made Michigan and Ohio State football rivalry one of the biggest ones in the country during the 80s and early 90s because both those programs were crushing it. That's why Duke Carolina is the premier standard for college basketball rivalries. (laughs) I can't believe how much I struggle with that word. Duke and Carolina, it is just the the go-to basketball rivalry because both of those teams are always winning ACC titles. They're always competing for national titles. They're always top 10 teams. 
And so you don't get that level. You don't get to that national um, uh, relevancy. You don't get to play those massive, huge title deciding games if one of these two teams uh, is not up to par. And, you know, I mentioned this in my piece, but these two teams have rotated being good and being bad uh, throughout the entirety of their history. Uh, Michigan State is great with Magic Johnson and wins the national title. Michigan's way down. Michigan gets things back. Uh, the late 80s, early 90s, the Fab Five era, and Michigan State was really sort of struggling right before Izzo takes over. Izzo takes over, and Michigan's kind of on the decline, and as Michigan State's hitting their incline, uh, or hitting their ascent, and then Michigan really struggles while Michigan State's lighting up the world. Uh, and then finally, as Michigan State is still near the top of the college basketball landscape, Michigan gets up there. This is the first time, these last six, seven years, the first time in this entire basketball rivalry that these two programs have been uh, top 10 perennial programs competing for conference and national titles, uh, competing for Final Fours year in and year out. And so, you know, I, I just don't know if as Michigan State fans uh, were so focused on beating Michigan and, you know, not that that takes precedent over conference tournament or conference titles or anything like that, uh, but just like beating the hell out of them in basketball was such like a regular occurrence and it was such uh, a soothing therapeutic thing after the way football was going and things like that. You know, you get beat by Michigan football season and you kick the crap out of them. Uh, during basketball season and sort of get a little bit back on the right side of things. So I just don't know if uh, we're just not used to that type of thing or or what. I think the the reaction or the you know the the, the feeling about this is kind of all over the place because yes, you want to beat Michigan all the time every time, but at the same time you want them to be really good. I always say I want Michigan to be undefeated in football when they play Michigan State because I want to beat them at their very best. Uh, but when that keeps happening, inevitably you're going to lose. Michigan State's going to lose. If these two teams, if Michigan remains as a top 10 program and Michigan State stays where they are and they have great teams year in and year out, Michigan's going to win some of these games. Uh, and that's just uh, a fact. And if Michigan's way down and Michigan State's way up, uh, Michigan's not going to beat Michigan State very often. And so you're kind of balancing that. Do I want to just completely dominate them or do I want to beat them in you know, a little bit less frequency, but in way bigger stakes. Like part of the reason why the the games were so great this year is because in two of them, really three of them, Michigan State was directly taking something away from Michigan, and that was a chance at a conference championship and a chance at a conference tournament championship. Uh, and like I said, you just don't have those opportunities when Michigan is four and sixteen in the Big Ten, when Michigan is seven and thirteen in the Big Ten. Those don't happen, and that's. Part of what was so incredible about this basketball season and so incredible about those three wins is that the stakes were massive and Michigan State came through um, with incredible performances when their backs were against the wall and just the most pressure-packed circumstances. And so I hope that Michigan can retain some of what it's got under Beeline. I think I'm still kind of going back and forth on this. I hope Michigan State beats Michigan every single time they play, and I hope every single time they play it's a top-10 matchup with huge stakes on the line. Now that's not going to be, uh, you know, that's having your cake and eating it too, um, but I think if I had to pick between just beating down Michigan all the time and them having no chance, or Michigan State occasionally losing to Michigan, but you know, beating them for Big Ten titles, beating them for Big Ten tournaments. I think I'm siding uh, on that side. And I don't think you're wrong if you're picking the other way. 
Uh, I think both sides and really all the perspectives in between and the different angles at this, like I said, are, are different, nuanced and kind of correct in their own ways. But I think it's just a much more interesting debate than or discussion than does Michigan State need Michigan? Clearly they don't. Obviously, Michigan State does not need Michigan to be good in order for Michigan State to be good at basketball. We've seen it work with a terrible Michigan team, but admittedly, the stakes do add to the drama. The stakes add to the fun, um, especially when you win, and I think it's just uh, a a more competitive, high-end rivalry going between these two programs is really a fun, special, stressful terrible, amazing thing to be part of. And I think I prefer it more to uh, the alternative. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Maybe I'll go back and forth and we'll see who Michigan hires. If they hire Chris Beard, uh, I'm going to be absolutely furious. (laughs) All right, that is going to do it for today's Locked on Spartans. I told you it wouldn't be a 25-minute episode and I lied. I just can't stop talking. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to talk about the running backs on the Michigan State roster and a running back who's no longer at Michigan State but has finally found a professional home. LJ Scott signs with the Cleveland Browns and we will talk about that tomorrow along with talking about the guys still on the roster and where the depth chart sits right now. Thanks so much for listening. Reminder, rate, review, subscribe. Follow me on Twitter at Will underscore underscore Hunter. 1L2 underscores at on Spartans on Twitter. Search Locked on Spartans on Facebook. Uh, and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. It is the easiest way to get the show and it will help me look like I'm doing a great job and I would really appreciate that. All right, back again with another edition of Locked on Spartans. Until then, go green.